Hey, welcome back everybody to my podcast. And today's guest is Oleg Slatyshev's EuroLeague referee. And today we talked about officiating, refereeing, whatever you want to call it. It's one of the most scrutinized professions in this business, specifically in our basketball world. And today we picked it apart. We talked about the process leading up to the game, the analysis of coaches and players, as well as teams, systems, philosophies, knowing what you can expect before you go into the game. Then we talked about the communication process during the game. Obviously, communication, my hot topic every episode, the communication between the coaches and, and the uh, referees, the referees and the players, and everything that's that's during the game that's happening, how to process the emotions, technical fouls, everything that's that's uh, the, the fun part of the game. Uh, also, we talked about the post-game analysis, how much time is being put in in analyzing clips, what the process is behind the scenes. Uh, about the communication between the crew uh, behind closed doors also. Lots of good stories, lots of good examples, practical examples. And I hope you enjoyed it. Please, if you enjoyed it, please pass this episode around. There's a lot of valuable nuggets there to explore for young coaches, for coaches, yearly coaches, assistant coaches, uh, players as well, and obviously young and up-and-coming referees. If you're listening to it, you're going to learn some, some things that are going to help you to be a better referee or even a better coach and learning on how to communicate properly. Uh, please pass this episode around and uh, share it, comment it, like it, everything, all of the above. You know what to do. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right, Alex, welcome to my podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, really, it was uh, surprised. Uh, and honored, so I'm very happy to be here and to share my ideas about the officiating. Yeah, it's we've we've encountered each other in plenty of games professionally, but now for the first time we're gonna have a a real conversation here today. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll try. We'll try to pick apart the the officiating profession together, and uh, that's why I invited you. I I think that it's a very interesting uh, profession to explore, and I prepared a a game are you ready to play a game with me you know i, pre I prepared i prepared a game from the preparation process through the in-game in-game dynamics and then post-game analysis um so before but, but before we jump into that i wanted to ask you uh from your background you is it fair to say that you've been refereeing professionally for uh over 20 years uh professionally uh uh is my season number twenty-eight? Yeah. Okay. As a basketball referee. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, I saw that in in uh, in two thousand you you uh, you officially came became a, like a professional uh, referee, and then in two thousand three you received your FIBA license. So it's it's more or less been over twenty years professionally. That's it's fair to say, right? Yeah, I, I I came to the first division when I was uh, twenty years old. So, yeah. and then when I was twenty three years, so I received FIBA license. Okay, that's true. So, for me, the 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 key question in 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 accordance to in 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 reference to your profession is, why would somebody want to be a referee? You know, like it's it's something that it's a very uh, it's the most um, scrutinized. And, and, and mostly unfairly scrutinized uh, profession in our basketball world, whether it's the fans, whether it's the, the the coaches, the players, the teams in general, it's you're never you're never on one or the other team, right? You it's hardly ever that you can that well, you win or lose. You know you don't have have a have a feeling of win or losing. You just have a feeling of having a refereed a good game, or having a feeling of having maybe not refereed a good game. But you know when you're when you're seeking out a, a job you you also want to seek out some um uh, satisfaction so where's where's the satisfaction in your in this job that you that you decided to seek out the the profession of refereeing okay in the beginning when i decided to be a referee um honestly i wanted to play basketball i was i was badly wanted to play basketball uh, but um my size is uh, i'm 170 I uh, look the reality, uh, Maxi Box, uh, so, uh, who was uh, one of the big players the, in the in the NBA, but uh, Spud Webb also. Spud Webb yeah, also. 
I was far away from that. So I wanted to stay in the basketball and I wanted to be a part of the basketball in the professional level. And um, in our family, my mother is a teacher. She's, uh, she's a teacher in the school. And she said that the most important she wants to give me is the education. So um, I can play basketball as much as I want, but I need to receive the education. So, um, and I think this combined that uh, I understood that I will never be a professional player. Uh, also, although I received the offer for 200 euros to play basketball in the second division. <laughs> so, but then uh, the opportunity came to officiate some games uh, when I was doing this for the for the our sports school when we were playing I would I had to officiate the kids you know the lower level the lower uh, ages in the in the in the sports school and uh, I started to do it uh, uh, good but uh, I had one uh, one good uh, thing that I was doing I was always on time. And the coach said, this is one great thing because you are always on time and uh, we can, you know, rely on you. It's not like uh, somebody else. Yeah, I will do it. And they are not doing this or they said, I forgot it. So I, I took it very professionally. Even I, I was a kid when I was uh, 14 years old. So and uh, then i then then i was deciding what should i do and uh, when i started to 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 study in the university i graduated the university of uh, latvia um i got the master degree in economics in macroeconomics and um, i combined this with the officiating i understood that it would be very difficult to combine with the uh, playing because it's uh, practices in the morning practices in the evening it's much more complicated but i was playing in the in the university team so i was enjoying uh, and playing basketball for myself not uh, never professionally so what's 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 the general the education level amongst all referees? Uh, let's say in Euroleague. Let's stay with Euroleague in terms of background. In terms of com is there any common denominators amongst amongst the referees in terms of uh, profession outside of the referee? Yes, I would say you. I have the statistics about the education of the referees. So um, if we go for the high school education that is the highest for the referees then it's 11 percent from all the referees they have education of high school then we have 40 percent who are bachelor degree and then we have 44 percent they have master degrees and we have also five percent of uh, referees who are phd okay so overall, the the education level of the referees is really very high. And the common professions that uh, I found is uh, we have lawyers, a lot of lawyers, bank work, workers in the bank, uh, owners of different companies, teachers, uh, edu uh, physical education teachers. But, uh, you know, if we look at some specific ones, then I would uh, mention one uh, teacher of biology. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. In teacher of English. Yeah. Uh, design uh, designer of ceramics. A pastry chief. So they are, these are you know the, <laughs> the, the professions of the referees that people they don't even know that there are some people running on the court and he's the teacher of biology for example <laughs> the pastry the pastry chef must be from france no <laughs> uh, no from no. greece oh from greece, from greece. okay 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 yeah. <laughs> um no but in in um in general i always thought it's a very it's, is there any full-time uh, offici uh, officiating um, um, prof professional? Referees? Yeah. Full-time referees? Yeah, we have some. And uh, it's around 20% uh, of all the referees are full-time referees. Yeah, because I, I can imagine it's hard to balance with a regular job. Even if you're self-employed and you have a business, you still have to, you know, on double weeks or maybe the domestic league, you have to refer. It's, it's nearly impossible with today's schedule to really be 100% in, in both areas, I can imagine. It's true. It's uh, 
it's impossible to find a job without good connections and to uh, to, uh, to explain that, for example, I will be out, uh, for example, for the next uh, 34 weeks or 30 weeks. <laughs> so uh, we have, okay, we have double weeks, uh, some weeks off, uh, but still this is, uh, it's a working days. And yeah. we travel uh, and also the travels now, it's a little more complicated than before the COVID. Or during the COVID, I don't speak about this, but before the COVID was easier. Now it's we have actually less flights and, uh, you know, the connections. And, for example, to go to the game, you need three days. Yeah. Sometimes you need three days, four days. So and uh, to do something outside, so you can do it online, many things. Yeah. But still, uh, if you are working in the bank, uh, <laughs> if you are the teacher of biology, it's uh, not easy <laughs> to, to do this, <laughs> everything online. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there any any aspects of the job that when you first started to officiate at the, at the high level, is there any aspects of that that you struggled with early on the mo with, uh, with the most that you can remember right now? Uh, I believe it's acceptance of the big players and the big coaches because uh, i'm coming from the small country and uh, but it's actually it doesn't matter from where you come they don't know you and uh, if they don't know you they start they start to i don't know to communicate uh, in the way they start to test you uh, the players the coaches and when they get to know you so then it's uh, the time when uh, you start to have the relations and it's now it's a little bit different different when you can say when you call the names by the of the coaches uh, zelko ettore so you can call them by the names and it's uh, it's absolutely normal before i couldn't do this uh, i was saying uh, mr messina uh, <laughs> i couldn't call him ettore i was <laughs> My mother is a teacher, so it's uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was educated differently. So now it's a little bit more uh, common because we know each other for many years, and it's uh, normal. And the young referees are coming, and uh, the coaches they are also calling them by the names, and it's uh, creating better communication between the referees and coaches. Perfect transition. Perfect transition. So communication is my my cup of tea i don't know if you've listened to any of my episodes but every episode i have a communication topic and we will get to the communication part for the in-game in-game dynamics because it's the most interesting part to me the the dynamics between all of the three parties let's say the the players the coaches and the the, the referees but before we go in, into the in-game before the game there's also something that stands out to me when i see the referees is the fitness i've seen i've seen a lot of lot of referees that are also just um Physically, you can see just fit, but also the the endurance endurance level has to be very high. What's the preparation process for referees? Is there a preseason that you go through? Is there a certain certain uh, certain uh, routine that you have throughout the season to keep you in shape? Uh, honestly, um, in the last years, uh, as the the, uh, the Euroleague referees are not uh, officiating any other competition uh, besides local competition during the summer, we are free. So uh, this is the time when we are getting prepared for the for the season. We are preparing for the season. We are doing our exercises. We most of the referees uh, in the top level they have uh, uh, fitness coaches where with whom they are working during the summer or during the season i i work with a track and field coach but i'm doing this with my son so we are like a couple <laughs> we are doing this together and uh, you know it's a competition in every in every practice so i love <clears throat> this and uh, i said one time he was started to be faster he's 13 years old but he's my <laughs> size so he started to be faster than me and they said okay i will mark this date uh, that you beat me <laughs> first time but uh, yes we we are doing this professionally actually and uh, everybody's uh, responsible for his own uh, fitness level and uh, the worst is uh, when somebody can say you that you are slow in the game or you are overweight in the game so then you have a problem 
But um, before the season, we have uh, uh, medical checks and uh, everything the, the, the EuroLeague is checking us, how fit we are, how we are prepared. So, and um, everybody is getting ready for that, for the check in the end of August and also for the season. No, Cooper, the summer, no Cooper test? Have, excuse me? No Cooper test? Cooper test? Uh, we run this uh, Cooper test. Uh, oh, really? As, uh, uh, the FIBA referees they run this Cooper test for uh, for the local leagues. Still, if huh? you run Still. for the local league, it counts. If uh, if you are over fifty and you are not officiating in the in the local division uh, in the local competition, then you run uh, in the place. For example, in Ljubljana, you run for the for this fitness test. Interesting. Yeah. So, and during the summer, I'm working. Uh, um, I, I stay one month out of uh you know of the basketball and then i start preparation uh now i start preparation earlier than before uh i think july is my month when i start okay to get ready for the season okay so let's let's start analyzing the game a little bit when you go on game day you before obviously you start already before before game day to prepare for the the game that you will ref uh what are the things that you are analyzing? Is it the most? What are the things that you mostly focus on? Is it the players, the coaches, the the team's tactics, the the frequency of screens? Because there's a lot of also, you know, is it is it going to be a team that's going to be setting a lot of screens that we're going to have to look for certain situations? Are the players that are on the team more uh, leaning towards flopping, maybe a little bit more? What are what are some things that are you you are scouting? when you're preparing for the game, also in regards to coaches? What are you looking for the most? Uh, it's not what we are looking for the most. It's the complex. It's all the other, all the things that you mentioned. We start with uh, the playing style of uh, both teams. Or we analyze what kind of game we can expect. If these two teams had any history before, if we can expect something uh, that can, uh, uh, you know, create a problem for us, that uh, two players, uh, you know, fight, they were fighting before, something happened before, yes or no. So if one player moved from one team to another, if there is any, uh, any or all of these uh, aspects, then uh, we go with, uh, with the floppers. We speak about the flopping players, that's for sure. We speak about the legal screen players, and uh, we have the platform, video platform, where we can check the, the previous games and uh, cut the clips. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you prepare for the game, you cut the clips, 20 clips, 10 for each team. So the main points how they are doing if one team is shooting three-point shots for example uh, a lot of three-point shots what to expect to expect landing space fouls uh, on the three-point shots if we have some uh, players who are tricky players who can feel the foul even on the in the middle of the court making the shot so are you ready to take to understand that he started the active shooting because we have some uh, really uh, uh, master players and they are doing this and we are uh, we do it we we make mistakes because we were not ready mm -hmm. so for example i had a game before uh, yesterday in alba alba the, how they play the first 6 seconds they make the offense mm -hmm. first 6 seconds so what does it mean for us we the new lead referee who is uh, on under the basket he must run from uh, trail position to lead as fast as possible to be on the baseline, not to miss any fouls. Mm -hmm. So, because the team is preparing to make, create the fast break as fast as possible. And uh, if the referee is late to call the foul, so why to make these uh, transitions? So they, they did everything right and the referee, the, the referee is late. No, we are preparing all these things um, for each team because uh, uh, there are different teams and different styles. We speak about styles. Yes. We speak about, uh, uh, you know, the way how they set the screens, how they shoot. Uh, for example, uh, Jalgiris made 18 three-point shots yesterday, attempts, and, and made only three. I don't remember any game when somebody 
uh, shoot only 18 three-point shots in the game. In the modern basketball, this is something really crazy. Yes. Unusual. This is not normal, actually. Yes. The the If uh, statistically you check uh, the points per uh, offense, you say, wow, this is uh, really, this. the game was low score, but uh, you never see the game when somebody is shooting 18 three-point shots per game for the one team. Absolutely. It's not for one player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I took I took 18 threes one game. I did take 18 threes one game in college. <laughs> yeah, you, you can imagine. And uh, you would be the same that Jalgiris took yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, yeah, so, yeah, so you go ahead, go ahead, finish up. Yep. Yeah, and uh, additionally to that, we also discuss about the coaches, how if. Um, uh, in the crew between the referees, if somebody had any experience with one of the coaches, how to communicate with the coaches, what to expect, ignore how to not to ignore the coach, how to respond to the coach, we share all this information because uh, there are some uh, uh, coaches who are hating. Then uh, the referee said, "No, no, not now. I will talk to you later," or just uh, throw the hand and uh, saying like this. Uh, even even it's an experienced referee. So, but if the young guy is doing this to experienced coach, he gets crazy. So he will eat eats him alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you know, and we share all this information uh, about the coaches, uh, the good experience, the bad experience, so that we we can manage the game, we can run this game. So the players are playing and we are just uh, guiding them and we are calling what is necessary for the game. Mm -hmm. How many, how many, um, we're going to get to the, to the emotional part and the, the respectful part uh, in, in the next mm -hmm. stage during the game, but still before the game, how many meetings do you have with your colleagues leading up to the game? We, uh, well, uh, usually we arrive in the evening, the day before. And we go for the dinner, for example, together. Mm -hmm. We discuss, it's not only that you discuss basketball, it's uh, you discuss the families, uh, the work and everything. So you get to know the person, how you can talk to him during the game. If uh, one person needs to be, uh, that I can shout on him during the game, or I always need to say, hey, uh, you are doing a very good job, but please uh, uh, look there, look there. Or I can say, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Hey, wake up. So if I can say this, not to put him down, but to raise him, you know, to, to wake to, him up. Yes, yes, yes. And I have seen people when uh, the referee is saying, uh, wake up and he's going down or opposite. So, and you get to know the person and you understand how to talk to each other. So, but basically in the end, uh, I say, look, if I make a mistake, don't hide it to say, hey, Alex was a good call. Don't say this. If it's a bullshit call, say it's a bullshit call. Let's avoid these calls for the team, for the, for the next uh, call. Yeah. So, and uh, honestly, now in the in the, in the last games in the last years, the referees are getting more honest on the court, and they are, ex uh, you know, accepting the mistakes. And between them, they communicate. And then, I if I if I made a mistake and I made a mistake, I say I can tell to the coach it was my mistake, and he said, okay, no problem. I, I don't say white, I don't, you know, change white to black. This is uh, because they are, they are experts in basketball game. Of course. Yeah, so, and yeah. the white to, you know, to fool them, to say, just to say, to save your ass. No, this is no way. You just say the way it is and you say you missed it and you work harder and, uh, you know, you run faster, you work more not to miss again. And that's it. Absolutely. So, so there is a there is a camaraderie amongst the referee community where everybody is very comfortable with expressing their opinion with each other, and you also have shouting matches amongst each other when you have meetings at halftime, maybe, or where where, where do you express emotions to each other? Because it cannot be visible if you have a disagreement with your colleague in front of the, everybody. So, it's, I, I assume it's either before the game or after the game or at halftime. Correct. Half time. Yeah, usually yeah. when you have some problems, 
you keep it till the half time and yeah. then you you know i don't uh, <laughs> i don't show you the locker room of the referees but sometimes it's uh, really bad language there really bad language but uh, you know it doesn't matter how bad language it is we have one common goal we need to finish this game in the best possible way that the team who deserves to win the game wins the game yeah so we go there and we work there as as a team as much as possible so nobody can recognize that we have some disagreements about the judgments yeah yeah that's about some things but the problem is that the biggest problems that we have that somebody is calling in the in your area that you don't agree or you think you mm. judge it differently mm. so and somebody is calling in front of you and uh, this is how the problem starts okay so so the air, that, if if the if if your colleague is calling a a a, a foul or a, a something that happened in your area which which is supposed to be your call so it's taking away basically calls or situations where we're jumping on top of you is that what you're is is that the situation most commonly no it's uh, when one referee is judging that it's a legal play for example there is a you know one-on-one -on -one play on the post play and the the referee is one meter away and he's judging all the situation suddenly from from nowhere the 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 call is coming and you don't understand what is this and the call is a travel violation and you say, what is this? So you don't understand this. So there are some things that uh, you say, let me judge the play. Yeah. If there is something uh, wrong, it will be my mistake. But if if you start to look around in the other areas and follow the ball, so you cannot follow the ball all the time, then mistakes are coming. Yeah. But uh, if you follow the ball all the time, so this is not the teamwork. We have the areas that we need to cover. So we have dual areas when we can help uh, to other partners. And uh, when I don't see and the partner is helping me because my view is blocked and his angle uh, angle is open, I'm happy. I say, hey, thank you very much. We didn't miss the call. Yeah. We didn't miss the call and the call was right. So I always say thank you. But it's uh, when it's obvious one on one, and somebody's coming to you to call something that is uh, totally wrong, then you say, mm. "Then you have disagreements." Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I uh, during the game from from our side, or from like let's say from the coaches' side, or from the benches, you don't notice those disagreements between the referees. As you you guys are doing a great job of of keeping that keeping it until the halftime. I have to say that because it's a, it's a very it's a very subtle, subtle area of, of the game that not many people notice, you know, whether there was a call made from the opposite side or but you don't see the disagreement between the two of you. So it's it's a very it's a very good uh, way of, of staying professional in the heat of the moment. But it's not always uh, very we, we disagree about something. Sometimes we say, uh, uh, what did you see? Why you call this? He said, I saw, I saw this and this. Okay. But it's not always that we have disagreements. Mm -hmm. Disagreements are rarely happening. Mm -hmm. Rarely happening. It depends on the personalities mostly. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, you can put three crew chiefs uh, in one game and then who is a bigger crew chief? So everybody starts <laughs> to decide. Who it's like uh, for one in one team there is only one ball, but they need uh, five balls. So each the each player needs the ball. So <laughs> it's the same thing. Yes, yes. So leading up into the game, where if when when the game starts, there's the notion there's the notion of how the game is being called early on. So I was I was wondering of how how much emphasis do you guys put. De depending on how you scouted the teams, how you prepare for the philosophies, for the styles of the game, of how tight you're going to call the game. So the, how important are the first foul calls of the game that you, that are indicators of how the game will be called and if that the line will be maintained throughout the game? Because, you know, you, you can't call every possible foul if there's, you know, if you, if you, if you start calling it tight from the beginning, it's going to be a very tight line and it's going to be a, 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 a long game on top of that, but it's also going to be not realistic. So what, what are the, what are the, uh, in, in the preparation and, and when you come into the game, which, 
which 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 are which are the indicators for you how you're gonna call the game? It's um, I don't know. It's difficult to say what is the indicator for you. For me, indicator is the illegal action by the defender or the offend uh, of the or the offensive player. But you know, we every week on Monday evenings we have uh, Euroleague meetings online, and we are meeting uh, seventy referees and fifteen uh, referee coaches. We are meeting and we're discussing the previous week, what was going on, what was good calls, bad calls. We discuss and we try to find the criteria so it's not so wide, but it's narrow and narrow so that everybody is on the same page. We are going through the videos. Mm -hmm. So if um, we are checking, we have the problems with the illegal screens. So we see more legal screens and then we come to the games and we see them more clearly and so we start calling them more and the the players they know what they are doing wrongly so they adapt more quicker as you know the players are more smarter the smarter player the the faster they adapt they understand that this mm -hmm. is not allowed mm -hmm. also the players you know when you play basketball if you see that the referee started to call hand checking one two you said oh okay good so you start to think how I can use this in my favor. So you go, uh, you go, you start to to drive to the basket. So to see, but mm -hmm. when you play defense, you start to avoid the hands. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it depends on the level of the uh, you know the smartest of the players. And uh, indicator for us is illegal action. If we see illegal action, that we judge before and during this season or the season before and we see the videos monday videos the pre-season pre videos and we see this illegal illegal action we start calling them immediately mm -hmm. if you see if you for example if there is a alba is playing tap first ball pass and the the, the players under the basket and there is a foul if you miss this you are in trouble all game yeah, that's, that's if you that's, if you miss the first foul, you are in trouble all the all the game. So no way you can uh, you survive. Yeah, that's that's that was my that was my in, initial thought of how important it is that the first the first moments to see aha okay this I can do this from from this point on now every time or I cannot do it every time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's hard. It's I mean, it's because I have a, also you know you have the idea of two physical teams uh, meeting in in the matchup where you know it's going to be fouls right every possession. So I mean, are you going to call every possible every possible contact that's on the border of illegal? You know, is is it's it can be called, it cannot be called, but the line keeps moving up if it gets more physical. Uh, when it's um, when it's a physical game. It, it, the game can be physical, but when it becomes dirty, you know, illegally, mm -hmm. you play illegally defense, then we have to call the fouls. Mm -hmm. We can call the fouls three in a row, one hand checking, second hand checking, third hand checking. And I did that. I know in the, we did that just because this is illegal. You cannot continue doing this. So you continue, we go to the free throws. Mm -hmm. So one moment you need to stop doing illegal actions. I, I remember one game I was uh, under 18 in uh, um, in Americas, uh, boys, and the, the semifinal was uh, Brazil-Argentina. <laughs> and the Brazilian uh, and Argentinian referees told me, when you start the game, keep calling. I said, okay. And when you get tired, continue to call because <laughs> they will be killing each other in this game. So I said, okay, thank you very much for the advice. <laughs> it's it's for the best interest of the players too. <laughs> yes, so, exactly, exactly. So communication during the game with with uh, with players and coaches in particular, how important to you is empathy and understanding? What the coach, for example, is thinking in that moment, you you have to put yourself in their shoes as well. A lot of times to understand their frustration with with certain things that are happening or not happening on on either side. How important in in during the game is it for you to have this empathy and understanding, and also like you said earlier, admitting to mistakes, 
and keeping the communication line open between the, the two parties? Uh, I believe that uh, I talk too much <laughs> in the games, <laughs> uh, but this is uh, the way I'm I'm officiating all the games, and uh, I really love to communicate with the coaches and players. And um, if there are situations, for example, I'm teaching the young guys when there is a timeout going to the end and the coach is uh, about to finish the timeout, I never go to interrupt the timeout. I always find one assistant coach to whom I can uh, say, let's uh, finish the timeout. Why? Because uh, if I start to, you know, to, to interrupt the coach when he's trying to wake up the team, something is going on, positive, negative, everything. So I can, I am in the conflict with the coach, head coach. So the assistant can go, hey, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go. This is uh, totally different when the referee is coming and uh, whistling the and saying, let's go, we finish the timeout now. So, But um, during the game, um, the empathy, it's one thing, but uh, understanding the emotions of the coaches, I, I, I really try to understand the emotions of the coaches and uh, the reality. And uh, many coaches, the, when they are getting crazy or they act differently, I understand that they do this not by accident. They do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. Everybody in this level, when uh, all these coaches, they are smart enough. When they try to stop the fast break uh, or they are shouting on the three-point shooter in the corner, on their waving or coming on the court one half meter or something or waving doing something they are doing this everything on the on purpose yeah just to move their offense to the other side or interact the 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 shot of the player of the three point shot or or to stop the fast break they they everybody is doing this on purpose and now and if somebody tells me, no, no, it was by accident, by accident, no, it's it's, it's not. It's manipulation not to this extent. level. Manipulation. Not the, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they are doing this on purpose. We, we know this and uh, we need to, you know, deal with the illegal action and uh, if it's uh, interrupting the game, yes or no. Yeah. So, so what this, it's still... The, when I, I was one time, I was uh, I was I was assistant coach for my father in Germany, still back back in in, in the early days, and uh, one time I had to go be the head coach in preseason because he was gone, and my first game I got a technical foul right away because I'm a very emotional person, but 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 there is an absolute truth of what has to be seen, and if I see something that is not the absolute, that's not true according to me, according to the rule book. And I because the ball bounced up and it hit the wires because the, the baskets were attached to the wires to the top of mm -hmm. the roof. So it was all and it hit the wire and it, the referees didn't see the ball went in. I was I was livid, you know. So for sure, there's a line of maybe I crossed of the the emotional aspect, but there's also a a a you know the referees have to recognize also at some point that you know that the coach is acting like this for a reason. You know, some coaches are acting acting out you know acting just just to manipulate and do another purpose and some coaches are naturally emotional because they are absolutely believed that what they saw is the truth you know and how do you distinguish between that that acting and manipulating and also of natural emotional of the emotions of the game look um uh, uh mr ivkovic he is not uh, with us anymore, but he was uh, one of the master coaches in uh, in the way of putting the pressure on the referees. Really? Because uh, the tactics that he has is uh, was uh, the game is going on, everything is fine. He doesn't talk to you. He's speaking with the players. And the moment when you make one mistake, He's going on you only about that particular play. And he's pressing you one, two, three, only about that. The whole game. It's not about the whole game. 
it's uh, the moment when he feels uh, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he receives a technical foul or you accept the mistake and uh, the game is going on. So, And then there is another one mistake. So he is going again on you. So, But it's really the mistake. It's not 50-50. Yeah. It's not block charge. It's uh, not. It's clear mistakes. But we have more coaches uh, nowadays. When uh, he starts with uh, small talks with you, hey, do you think it's travel? Ah, I think it's a travel. Hey, it's a travel. No, no, no. This is a travel. Hey, call the travel. And it's uh, in the during the ten minutes, you know, from the beginning we start, we give one finger, then it's uh, he's already uh, can eat all your arm. So <laughs> it's a totally different approach. But I understand. And once in uh, my life, I asked the coach if I can tell him any advice to give, and she said yes, uh, yes, please. Why? I said if you would uh, uh, communicate with the referees. Not about every play, but be more specific. And uh, you communicate with us about more important things that than every call. We would listen to you in a much better way and respond to you in a better way. Because when somebody is uh, asking you every call, what you do? You mm-hmm. put a wall yes. and you don't talk. Or you give a technical foul. If he continues, you give a second one, and you send him out. But, you know, I don't like to send coaches out. To to uh, Sometimes they deserve, they cannot stop. And uh, we usually stay, start, try to stop that, you know, to send them out to, with a tech, second technical foul. But there are some tactics from the coaches just to go out because the team doesn't play. And uh, it's the way how they say, okay, maybe I should go out to put the pressure on the referees mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And the assistant is there. He knows exactly what to do with the players. Or maybe the team doesn't play. You know, the team doesn't play at all. So they put the pressure on, on, also on the team. Absolutely. Through, through the referees. Yes, yes. I can guarantee it, that. I can I can I can guarantee that for sure. It's true. And you know, when I meet the coaches, any coaches, usually coaches in the outside the basketball, for example, we meet in the airport, they are amazing people. <laughs> Believe me, we can talk about families, holidays, uh how is going on the life and everything, the kids and uh, what you do besides the job and uh, you know some problematic players and uh, that they deal in the in the team once uh, one coach told me <laughs> i have uh, 15 millionaires in the team how i deal with them <laughs> so they come and one is uh, doesn't get the ball in the practice and he goes and sits on the bench and he said i don't practice i don't like because i don't get the ball he doesn't give me the ball i sit and he's sitting all the practice so he said, I'm the psychologist, so I need to work with them. It's yeah. uh, with these kids. They are more crazy than the kids because yeah. everybody wants to play 30 minutes, 25 minimum. <laughs> <laughs> there are 15 people. I need to cut three to say, no, you are out because I will put your next game. You are more important for the next game, but this game you will be out. So this is with what we discuss with them. With the sometimes they ask the rules questions, uh, some uh, about the rules, uh, this situation, this situation, uh, how, and uh, they ask how to ask the coach challenge, which moment is the best uh, mm-hmm. when we we can do this, when we cannot do this. You know, we discuss these things, but they are absolutely normal people. Yeah. It's not there is no uh, offense, nothing. Really, I can shake the hand of all the coaches in the EuroLeague and EuroCup, and uh, no problem. Really, it's uh, it's like a normal basketball community. Community, yeah, yeah. It's just that during the during the process of the game, the psychological warfare that's going on because everybody's basically fighting for survival, you know. And 
and you guys are there in the middle to try to to separate the pieces and to put it everything in place because like you said the coaches are trying to put pressure on the referees sometimes on the team sometimes and using using different different uh, tactics to to do it uh, through psychological warfare but we talked about the the communication aspect the empathy aspect the importance of uh, admitting to mistakes also from from both sides not only referees i think that the, the you know the coaches can also admit sometimes that they were wrong on on complainings on and some different things as well but also they do this. yeah and i think i think it needs to be addressed also that both everybody has to admit also the players at some point mean like maybe okay i was wrong on this one and, and it's it's a natural it shows just just the authenticism authenticism of the game you know you have to stay authentic to who you are and what happened and stay honest and i think that honesty at the end gets respected by all parties um but uh, you also as as a not you in particular but you as as referees have to also control your emotions in so many different ways and i wanted to talk about a little bit about the the uh, in, in the heat of the moment of how to control the emotions to keep everything in perspective in accordance to verbal uh, to yeah verbal and nonverbal communication so how do you portray yourself in certain situations to calm everybody down to calm calm the situation down i think it's also done purposely in order to take the air out of the uh, out of the balloon and to just to flatten out a little bit the the, the emotions <laughs> you know we we have a lot of emotional referees we can go but uh, in the the one thing I uh, I learned from the experienced referees that uh, if something is going on, don't show anything emotionally, stay calm. And then the best way is to come and communicate between us. So if there is a heated moment and we need to decide something, we can come together and uh, discuss what is important for the game. The other thing that is a very big benefit for us is the IRS, so that we can go and check on the video what was the problem uh, between the players, something, uh, you know, out of bounds in the end of the game, goaltending, you know, many, many things that really saves and the game and helps us a lot. Because it's really difficult to to see everything or decide was it uh, on time or not. Mm -hmm. Was it on time for the shot clock or not? Because if you think it was 50-50, uh, I can guarantee you that NVIDIA it will be out of time. Mm -hmm. So this is experience that I have watched this uh, 100 times, different games. But uh, in the game, when you feel that something is wrong, make sure that uh, you can you can check this you can communicate with the players and uh, do everything possible uh, in the game that you you save this game mm -hmm. that you are officiating in the way that everybody understands yeah, so for, for me for me in general the, the the way i view high level officiating because there's there's a lot of aspects and details and it all comes comes together during the game but to me high level officiating when i see it is when the referees i can see that they're prepared in anticipating the action of what's going to happen by preparing for the games for the for the teams for the philosophy they know what's coming without anticipating the call because a lot of times you see that there is a call being made already as the action happened is happening because they just know that there's supposed to be a foul in this moment and there wasn't a foul or or a travel or something but you have to be able to anticipate what's going to happen next just as a player also high level players they anticipate how the defenses are going to shift and what which pass is going to be open and how they can manipulate i think that the high level officials also anticipate of which action is going to happen next what the defense is going to do what the offense is going to do how they're going to position themselves without anticipating the call would you say that this is the the uh, accurate description absolutely I have seen the play when uh, 30 seconds till the end of the game, the player, uh, the, the one team is losing and they were playing a defense and they faked to make the foul and the offensive player was so smart that he took the ball in the middle of the court and went for the act of shooting. <laughs> 30 seconds till the end when they were with the, when they were leading yeah and the player faked to make the foul 
They, he was just wanted to make the foul. The offensive player was smart enough, took the ball and the throw the ball. And the coach was so crazy. He said, what are you doing? <laughs> and the defensive player was happy because he did exactly, you know, it's uh, a, yeah. but these were two really excellent players, uh, you know, very smart players. And uh, when you see these, it's anticipating the play, you know, this is, you don't anticipate any call in this play. You think, what are they going to do? So you see the act, you see the foul, you call the foul. If you don't see, you don't call anything. So you wait. Yeah. So the, the official didn't call the foul because he didn't see it. And the, the, the play went on after that. Yes. And this these are the most common actions where I think that a lot of teams want to trap first. If they're losing, they want to trap first. They don't want to foul. And they yeah. they and the referees a lot of times they mistake it for over aggressiveness and and call a foul where they say the coaches usually say we want one trap maybe a second trap and then we foul you know so there has to be also I think an understanding of the the team's tactics the coach's mindset in that situation and not to uh, jump jump the gun a little bit in those situations. Uh, about this, I uh, I have a tactics that I am asking the coach what you're gonna do. The defensive coach, mm. I asked, mm. what are you going to do? You're going to make the foul before, immediately or you make the trap and then you make the foul? And uh, I had so many different responses from the coaches. It's not your business. <laughs> One coach said, you call what you see. I said, okay, I wanted to know. Then the coach said, we make a foul immediately. We don't wait anything. So, boop, yeah. foul you, immediately. You know, yeah. The other said, we don't make the foul. The game, the game started and the player immediately made the foul. <laughs> I called the foul and I said, the coach. And the coach is looking to the player and he said, but I took the time out to say that we don't make the foul. Yeah. I said, oh, really? I misunderstand. And the coach at this moment, he said, I'm very sorry <laughs> because <laughs> I said the play, I took the time out to say to the players, we don't make the foul. Yeah. So we play defense. So he made immediately the foul. <laughs> so that, this this is this is about early calls or non calls. But I also when we when we talked about these situations, there's also times where there is late calls. Let's say I've I've seen a lot, and it's hard to imagine of what the what the official is thinking in that moment of if he's processing what happened because sometimes there is shots being missed. And there was a foul, no foul, and the shot is missed, and then the foul is called. If the shot is made, there is no foul call, but you will never know if the call would if 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 the, the call would have been made or not, the foul called. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so a lot of times uh, I, I'm wondering of what's the what's the leeway? It's better to make a call a second or two late than not make a call at all if you saw what it, what what was wrong. But it's a very, very dicey situation on a missed on a missed shot because missed shots and then a foul call, it sends it sends a strange picture. It, it creates unnecessarily fog. You know what I mean? Yes. Look, um, you see the foul. You call the foul. You you know you try not to wait too long. Yeah. You know to think yes uh, maybe the foul. And uh, I had once the situation when the foul was called with, uh, you know, with a delay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was like a delay. Maybe one second delay. When I checked the video, was the delay was uh, 0.8. <laughs> But the, the time that was left on the shot clock, on the game clock was one second. So instead of one second, we should have two seconds. Mm -hmm. And it's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So the player who received the ball, the next one, because they were in bonuses, he took the ball and shot. And the ball was on time. Thanks God. But can you imagine that the ball would not be on time, just uh, 10 for the seconds? Mm -hmm. So just because we delayed the first call, we were thinking something too long. We come to the uh, to this uh, to the last action, and uh, we are short of time. But um, maybe in the future we will be able to check the clocks and uh, all these things. But uh, but it's also 
the understanding of that we are natural, we are people, we are mm -hmm. humans. Mm -hmm. We cannot be robots that can say beep, file, beep, file. We always delay the files. If you check the videos by the tenth of the seconds, we always delay the files because this is normal. You see the file, you proceed, and you make the call. So it's uh, 03, 02, 04, 05. You think sometime, but this is absolutely normal. And when you make the call, the, the, the signal goes, so it's uh, another uh, tenth of a second. Yep. So it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. I can that's I, I can only imagine. I trust me, I wouldn't want to be in your skin. I, I give you that. I mean, the head coach's job is 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 difficult in, in other regards, but the referee job is is uh, just as difficult, just in other aspects. Um moving moving to the post-game, moving to the post-game analysis, uh, how many how much time do you spend analyzing the game that you watched? Do you watch it right away or do you pull the clips the next day that you that you felt like you you wanted to rewatch uh, particularly that you remembered from from the night before? Um is is this something that you discuss like you said every Monday you discuss with with the with the whole all the crews together certain aspects but just in particular the game that you officiated how much analysis do you put in rewatching the game and analyzing the clips with your colleagues? Um, we watch all the games after the, after you officiate the game, you watch the game, but it's not immediately. We don't do immediately watching the game. Yeah. Um, if there were some big situations, we can check immediately. So really important things. Mm -hmm. But uh, in all the games in the EuroLeague, we have uh, the referee coaches who are with us, who, who are watching the game, uh, observing our work, just our work. Mm -hmm. and analyzing that and uh, telling us what we can do better, what was the mistakes, uh, uh, which aspect was uh, covered, which was not, um, and uh, how to avoid this in the future. And uh, with them, we learn many things. So with the, the referee coaches, because they are more experienced than uh, all of the referees. Mm -hmm. So... Um, there are different uh, also referee coaches uh, tactics how they present us the, the this uh, you know their knowledge some of them are sending the clips for example the game is over and you receive uh, 30 video clips of the plays immediately so it's in your email already mm -hmm. 20 30 video clips some of them are sending the next day when they review the game again Mm -hmm. And they say, okay, I was I mentioned this play, I checked the play, no, it was I was wrong, or you were wrong, so this is uh, the play that you need to check. So sometimes we have some uh, Zoom meeting with the, all the officials to discuss the plays that were good or bad, or we have a longer discussion in the evening after the game. So it's about one, two hours we can speak about the game uh, after after mm -hmm. we finish. Yeah, and this is another aspect of of conflict solving or uh, discussions, comfortable discussions, open discussions with your colleagues, where you can you know openly communicate certain aspects that you saw that were correct or incorrect. And I think it's it's a it has to be similar to a coach's uh, staff, where coaches are able also to discuss in in heated moments, heated discussions behind closed doors about certain things that happened or that should have happened. And I think it's important to let this air out and to discuss in, in a manner that's understandable, but also without holding back, because that's how you get better. That's how you get better as a staff. That's how you get better as a coach, as, a, as, as an official. Players do the same thing in players' meetings. They have the same venting meetings where without the coaches, without anything, just because if it's something that needs to be addressed, everybody's talking straight and there's no, no ifs and buts about it. So I think that those meetings... Usually, whether they happen at halftime impromptu or they, they happen after the game to discuss and to to eliminate further mistakes down the line. Absolutely, and uh, without that analysis and uh, without self analysis, also when when I fly back home, I always check the game. I'm checking the game, what I did, uh, good or bad. I know exactly because when you finish the game and you have a good feeling. You know that the overall game officiating was good. 
Mm-hmm. But I like the details, the my signals, my body language, my communication with one of the players, two and second, my positioning. Am I good enough, or I was just lucky? Mm-hmm. So was I uh, was I running fast enough? So I was on spot right away that where I should supposed to be, mm-hmm. or why I missed that play? Where is my position? So I analyze many many things just to be better every game. And uh, if you don't learn, you are on the same level. But the young guys, they are they are coming. They are coming and they are hungry. So <laughs> they are ready to take a spot. So you need to work more and more and more. Hey, self-criticism is the best criticism. I think we have to hold ourselves accountable all the time. Otherwise, uh, I'm, you, you will not grow. I'm a big proponent of eternal lifelong growth you know whether it's in personal growth it's professional growth it's anything you always have to reflect and be able to admit to mistakes move on and and learn from learn from them uh, going forward before we move on to the last part of uh, i usually do atos coaches atos that i throw quick questions uh, at you i wanted to address one more thing about um the game and the post game and the last analysis what what are the indicators that the game was either under control or out of out of control what are the the key indicators for you to when you reflect and it's like oh man we didn't have control of this game because of this this and that when when you don't have the control of the game um that when you start calling the game when you call the game everything is uh, upside down it's uh, you know everything you just is just wrong you know, you make the wrong calls and uh, you, everybody's frustrated. Even the players who is uh, never talking, they start to talk mm-hmm. and they start to, you know, to 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 make throw, uh, throw away signals. Every You know, everything around the game is wrong because all the spectators are booing you after every call, you know, and uh, even the team who is winning the game starts to criticize you because something is wrong with, the, you know, that you are not managing this game in the right way. So this is the when everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But when everything goes right, you understand the player... You see the players are coming to to you. Uh, they ask the question. You communicate. You also communicate with the coaches. The way you communicate with the coaches is nobody is just screaming on you from the players or coaches. So it's the way of uh, you know m- more respect during this game uh, and uh, in normal communication between the human beings. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that this those are very vital parts of of uh, your profession to understand. You know, when you had a game under control, when everything is calm, when everybody is communicating in a proper way, and also you know, hopefully hopefully that there's less and less games that are out of control because players sometimes take it to the next level, coaches sometimes take it to the next level, and it's it's sometimes unnecessarily, you know, so we we always, as I'm, I, a lot of times I talk as a fan because I love the game and I want to, you know, you just want to enjoy watching the game and, and enjoy the players at their best, the coaches at their best, everybody at their best. Are you you ready for my ATOs? Of course. Okay. I will I will draw them up quickly and and whatever pops into your mind you uh you 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 go but hopefully you don't give me a technical foul afterwards if they're out of line. <laughs> okay, no problem. Okay, most common mistakes that players do. Mm, missing the free throws. Most common mistakes that coaches do or make. I think I think gra- grammatically it's probably make most common mistakes that coaches make. Um. Not taking the time out on time. Most common mistakes that referees make? Out of bounds. This is a, a question uh, that is from Tim Ferriss, and I ask everybody. What's your favorite failure? Uh, in, in, in your case, is something maybe that was one call that you always think back on that you wish you had back, that you didn't call, but you learned from the most. Something that you that you failed at, but you took a valuable lesson from. Um, yes, I respected the coach more than myself once, and I didn't give a technical foul. And uh, after that, I said that I will never do this again, that I respect myself more, 
And uh, after that, when I met uh, this coach again, uh, I believe that my body language and everything uh, was, uh, the, the message was sent and uh, we never had such uh, behavior from his side ever in any game. And that uh, I learned from this, that I need to respect myself better than anyone else. Mm, very good. Uh, after 23 years, well, maybe it's, it's, it's more I've learned <laughs> of, of officiating. What do you still find hard in this profession? What is still hard to do? It's still hard to call, to call the right out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's not possible. Every time we make these mistakes and uh, yeah, this, I, I believe this is the hardest thing. Okay. What, and what are... uh, for the referees also to make the, the right jump ball. <laughs> <laughs> In the yearly, we have more the jump balls, so we need to practice uh, to make them better and better. What What are the most technical fouls you called in a game? I don't know. Two, three. I Two, don't know. Okay. Uh, one daily habit that impacts your life the most. Um, to talk to my family always just uh, how they are doing and every if when i am especially when i am away if everything is fine uh, and i talk to all because i have three kids uh, a wife and a dog so we we have we have amazing relations so and uh, this is uh, really important for me to talk to them that everything is fine beautiful one game day habit that you can, you can't skip and you can't go without. One what what is game this? game day game day habit? Anything 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 in particular that you do on game day that you you have to do absolutely, or is that something that you don't have a routine for game day? Uh, I take a nap uh, thirty thirty minutes uh, before uh, before going to the game, and uh, I learned it. To wake up at least three hours before okay. so that you are mentally ready for the game absolutely and last one after the game best the best hack or the best uh the, the best hack after the game for you to calm down and take the emotions out of the game um hot shower this is the thing when somebody asked me what is the best about officiating i said a hot shower after the game because at that moment you re re uh, seeing the game again and again in a different perspective and you calm down in this uh, place and uh, i you know and i know these uh, emotions because uh, you go to the different venues you go to the different showers and you are standing there alone and you feel how the, you know the hot water is coming on you and you feel the game is over was it good or bad but at this moment you start to you know to to relax yeah this is the momentum i'm i'm a big cold shower proponent so i i uh i'll probably be the opposite but it's the same it's the same i think hot shower is relaxing and it's kind of just let let everything let everything flow afterwards yep thank you very much alex i i appreciate it i i hope that you enjoyed it i hope i didn't drill you too much and uh I that hope was that, very interesting i, I hope interesting. i hope that our listeners also enjoyed it and uh if if anybody wants to find you uh where is the most easiest easiest way to find you to contact you if they have questions if there's young referees or young coaches or anybody that would like to have any additional questions i believe on instagram is the best uh, it's all uh, lot of okay Okay, that's easy. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. And thank you, Alex, once again. Thank you very much, Vance. Thank you.